0: Ciao, sono Simone Bianchi e state ascoltando il podcast dei Marvel Card Collectors. Ciao a tutti.
1: Hello everybody, my name is Ian Taylor and welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. Please don't up... all that face at me, sir. An awesome community of car collectors and creators. Everyone, no one's picking on me. He's trying to make no, me fluff at the opening. <gasps> anyway <Rude. laughs> I will carry on. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast. So come check us out. Just like our guest did. With me is my co pilot in all things Marvel Cards. I told him we were interviewing the president and he looked at me weirdly. It's Noreen Rad. Hello.
2: Yeah, I had prepared a very different thing to say to the to the to, but we let's met not, someone
0: not, so much not better. That. Yeah. Why let's did I say code. that?
1: Who said that? Ian. Yeah. God, that's not this. That's that's, that's that's as political as we're getting because otherwise it gets messy up in here. Um g- good afternoon, good morning, good evening everybody.
2: Good morning, good evening, good night.
1: Good night wherever in the world you are listening to us. Um maybe you're in Italy. <gasps> Like uh, Simone Bianchi who introduced this episode, who needs no introduction, quite frankly. The man himself, the best. man himself. Um, Bless you, Simone. Ciao, Simone. Um, And Gloria uh, for making that happen. Um, I, I wanted someone of stature. Not that anyone is less deserving of our intro. Um, people Absolutely. over the year and change we've been doing this, but I wanted something where people would sit up and take notice where their <sighs> tails would wag where they would the be like a puppy like this Ooh. up at the table going Oh, that's pretty horrifying You can't, you can't like, ever imitate like, a puppy again Like Puss in Boots, uh, thank you This is, this is oh. why I don't own dogs Did like, you just like bring up Puss, Shrek? Yeah, like Puss in Boots eyes in Shrek 2 when he goes like this you're visualizing it now aren't you yeah I, you're actually doing a very good impression and you're, yeah you're, that's what i mean I'm, I'm more cats than i am dogs but i want our <gasps> listeners to be in that mode when uh, when they hear who who we're talking to today because um, we're actually recording this part of the episode after we've finished talking to our guest hence the giddiness That's the giddiness. Um, So we've, um, in this episode, uh, ladies and germs, and you'll know this because it's in the episode title, um, we've just been speaking to Jason uh, Mashera, president of Upper Deck, who, um, if any of you need to know who Upper Deck is, quite frankly, leave the room now. Good point. for anyone else they make marvel trading cards and many other um, um high quality trading cards um and jason was very kind to um spare some time in his diary he actually gave us double the amount of time we had allotted with him and so, so nice by the way yeah oh uh, thank you thank you uh, jason was too um but no <laughs> <laughs> nice uh that was nice that was nice um that was that was a, that was a, what you're about to hear is a ton of fun uh, ladies and gentlemen um I really really enjoyed everything that you're about to hear is it's kind of yes. weird doing this we've never done one of these kind of before no things post to before yeah. our
2: listeners have heard it, um, so I we're guess still digesting everything. We're still that we digesting just heard, it. So. Yeah, all, all I feel fortunate. Spoilers, that you guys get to be experiencing this for the first time. We've talked about many things, many inside things, many fun uh, little snippets that maybe questions we've had about EPAC, questions about the sets, questions about the origins of particular sets, primarily MM twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a first hand account of how all this came to be. And uh, just to say, we have more people we'll be interviewing from Upper Deck, more of Jason's team, more of the people responsible for the very things you collect and enjoy.
1: Yeah, so it's basically our way of saying to you that year two, people, is, quite frankly, going to rock. Uh, We promised it would do, and we're very, very excited about some of the stuff we've got coming up, Uh, not least of which the interview that you're about to hear. Um, uh, I mean, uh, what else can I tell you? What else can I tell you? Um, Nothing, really. We should probably just let people hear it.
2: That's a good point. And just stop talking.
1: Uh, So thank you, Simone. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Noren. Um Aww. Thank I you, will... Ian. Oh, bless, bless you, sir. Bless you. Um, bless I will, before, before um, I, I, I segue neatly into our interview with Jason, um, just say to people that we, um, we have a YouTube channel. Um, and we are going to be doing a lot more content on that over yes. the coming months, um, including there will be an episode of this podcast that is not audio that will be exclusive to our YouTube channel. So it um, it would it would serve you well to go there right now and subscribe to it, so you can find us uh, um, YouTube, um, at YouTube forward slash. C, which is channel forward slash Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. It's it's pretty easy, really. Um, at the MCC Pod was 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 taken alarmingly enough, but uh, but we got that one. So hey, what can you do? Um, but everywhere else, we're at the MCC Pod. So seriously, keep an eye on those feeds, people, because. We're doing stuff. Uh, we're doing more stuff. We're doing stuff on our YouTube. We're doing stuff on our Instagram. We're doing stuff on Twitter, which is a challenge because of the number of characters. And uh, and uh, if you have any suggestions
2: to some videos you would like to see, some set reviews, yeah, some box baby. openings, anything like mm-hmm. that, please listen in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And remember to subscribe, like,
1: and comment if you can. Yeah. Listen, like, and share. <gasps> writing that down marvelous quick write it down quick put it on a t-shirt
2: i am okay like share happy collecting
1: got it marvelous okay oh good grief okay uh roll vt so i'm absolutely thrilled to welcome our guest today on the marvel car collectors podcast um introduce yourself sir i'm jason mashra president of upper deck Brilliant. I'm, I'm so glad I asked you to pronounce that surname, because <laughs> we hadn't taken a run at it beforehand. So thank you for doing that. Um, uh, this, this has been this has been some time in the in the making, actually, uh, having you guys on the podcast. So I really appreciate that we're starting kind of with, with the boss.
0: <laughs> well, look. I, I think uh, we'll we'll get into it, but um, you know, I think there's a there's a, quite an interesting set of stories here that I think um, should probably be interesting to to your guys as listeners.
2: Good. Uh, Good. Yeah, I Good. think a lot of people are very excited
1: to hear from you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. This is this is going to get some tails wagging, um, which is good. So I guess I guess the the first the first thing we've got, you know, we have a little list of talking points here, and we we'll, you know, you've heard us. We we tend to go around the houses a little bit, but but mindful of your time. Um, I guess you know, how, you've been at Upper Deck a fair while, and you've been president since two thousand and thirteen, I believe. Yes. So how did you get how do you get there? What, what, what takes Jason from wherever you, you came from to be president of upper deck?
0: Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll go into a little bit of my origin story, uh, uh, yep. a little bit. Here. Yes. So <laughs> if we, um, if we go way back, um, you know, I started collecting cards, um, trading cards, sports cards, 1986 roughly was the first set I ever got it was actually given to me by my godparents for Christmas. Um, that was the gateway drug. And, uh, You know, after collecting sports cards for a while, I had um, one of my best friends said, hey, you know, do you collect comics? Do you read comics? And I said, no, I really don't. Uh, And he introduced me to comics and we went into the comic store and we looked around. And um, for my first comic, we settled on X-Men 270. And, you know, if you if you don't remember X-Men 270, it was basically the first part of the extinction agenda, Mm -hmm. um, which is why havoc is my favorite character. Um, he was yes. the central piece of that, that storyline. Um, so that was, that was my entry into comics and I'm a hardcore X-Men guy. Um, you know, sometimes I don't even recognize, um, or I fail to recognize that the Avengers are big now because when I was collecting <laughs> comics, you know, nobody cared about the Avengers back then. Yeah. Uh, so kudos for, to Marvel for making the Avengers a big, big deal. Cause it was always the X-Men growing up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, And then, you know, what kind of takes us into the next step um, into into the pathway is I remember vividly the first set of Marvel Universe um, sitting on the counter at the store. And, you know, at some point you guys got to have a gentleman named Bubby Johansson on um, because we had this great story. Um, Bubby and I used to go to the comic book store and he actually worked in my shop. At one point. Um, But there was a box in Marvel Universe that is ingrained in my my mind because he bought a pack. And in that pack, uh, I think he hit three holograms in that pack. uh, Wow. Marvel Universe. So he bought another pack and that pack had like five holograms in it. And he bought another pack and the whole pack was holograms. And eventually the guy behind the counter that was watching this happen ended up Taking the box away from him and not allowing him to buy any more packs because it was some weird glitch box where the majority of cards in the box were all holograms. And as you guys know, if you guys remember, at that time those holograms were $10, 20 $25 a piece. Yeah. It's like hitting a gold mine. Um so obviously I got very excited about Marvel trading cards at that point because I saw something that was not supposed to happen. Um uh-huh. uh, and then you know my set, uh, which I know is a, a set for a lot of the, the the listeners that you guys have, and a lot of the the people in your room. Um, that to me is still my favorite Marvel trading card set of all time is 1992 Marvel Masterpieces. Yes. Yeah. And at that time, I had <laughs> I had been working in a card and comics store, and I bought just oodles and oodles of that 92 Marvel Masterpieces and fell in love with it. And uh, you know, shortly after that, I ended up starting my own card and comic book store um, and you know, had a lot of the subsequent sets that everybody's collecting now, the 93, 94, 95, whether it's Flair, Flair Ultra, mm-hmm. Marvel Universe, all that stuff I had in my store. I didn't collect it as much because I was selling it um, at that time. Um, and you know from there I shut down the shop I continued to collect I continued to, to, to sell cards and you know I'll skip a lot of the boring stuff in between but in 2006 I came to upper deck and I never imagined working for a trading card manufacturer never crossed my mind um, but I know I wanted to work in something sports and entertainment there was a position open at the time um, I started working as a brand manager on basketball that was my first first job and um, shortly after that I had a position that was working for me and uh, Bobby, who, um, you know, I collected with, he worked at my store, he came to work for me and basketball as well. And, you know, shortly after that, there were a lot of stuff that just went completely haywire upper deck, things changed. And eventually one day the entire entertainment team was gone. And uh, basically they, they came to me, the management at the TAM came to me and said, guess what? You've got, you've got entertainment. And what wow. they didn't know is I was a closet entertainment nerd. You know, they thought I was a sports guy. Um, ironically, Bubby the same way. Um, so Bubby and I took over the Marvel license at that time. Um, and um, we looked at it and, it was interesting because there was only really one set in the pipeline that they left behind, which was Iron Man 3. There was no other projects in the pipeline, which was shocking to me. And, you know, at that time, the entertainment team was really focused on games. You know, they were killing it, crushing it on games. They weren't focused on trading cards. And Upper Deck had this weird dichotomy where, you know, we had this huge trading card division, but it was all sports the sports division wasn't doing anything on the entertainment side. The entertainment side was really geared towards games. They didn't really know trading cards because games and trading cards are very, very different. Um, So Bobby and I were pretty excited to get our hands on Marvel trading cards and uh we we put out the the iron man 3 product we kind of finished that up and and put it out the door and and quite frankly if you guys if anybody has a chance to buy iron man 3 it's probably one of the best sets ever because it was a huge loser for upper deck like there was so much content in there (laughs) like it was just a bad bad product for upper deck great for the consumer (laughs) great for collectors um you know great set um so Bubby and I kind of inherited it and, um, you know, we looked at it and said, well, OK, what, do, what are we going to do? And really reflected our, our time of of collecting and and um, really started up. And a lot of the the early upper deck stuff, when we really started getting cranking is really um, Bubby's doing. Bubby was the one that created it. I was the one that just made sure it got out the door. Um, so the the first Thor set, the first Captain America set um, wow. Marvel Innings was his brainchild, um, which is still oh, one of my favorite sets. I Same. love beginnings. The um, and then I think what's interesting, and, and I knew you guys would love this, um, is Bobby and I were sitting around one day. And we were kind of digging through some documents and looking at some stuff in the market. And we had noticed that the old entertainment group had done some Marvel Masterpieces sets. And it looked like the first one had done pretty well. And then each subsequent set had some issues in the marketplace. Uh, We we heard a lot of complaints from dealers and collectors about kind of the second and the third set. And Bubby and I sat around and said, you know, I told him, I said, I said, you know, 1992 Masterpieces is my favorite set of all time. Time, right he said yeah um so my dirty little secret is i love 92 i was okay with you know kind of the next one 93 and then i completely abandoned masterpieces after that i actually i'm one of the few and i know your collectors love them <laughs> after 92 like i, I it just should jump the shark to me um and and i'll explain why in, in in a minute so i looked at what the team did in, in um think it was 2006, 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. And I told Bobby, I said, I want to bring this brand back. And there's only one way to do it. There's only one way that we bring this thing back and we revive it. And that's with Joe Jusco. Yeah. Um, And Bobby said, absolutely. 100%. Like I'm on board. Um, He said, I think I know how to structure the set. Um, So so we called, we called Joe, um, had a great call with Joe. Um and you know, I said, look, you know, that set to me is is the best, best set of all time. I would love the opportunity to work with you here. Um, love for you to do a set. We would like you to do the, the whole set. And and you know, Joe candidly said, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like if you want me to do the whole set, that's a that's a lot of work. Yeah. And I said, look, you know, it's the only way I think to do this set is to do it. Um, And one of the things he expressed to me, um, which a lot of us didn't know, was um, that original set. um, He felt like at the end, um, Skybox put a lot of pressure on him to hit timelines. And he felt like some of the art he did was a little rushed. Um, So we made the commitment to not rush him. Um, We wanted everything to be he wanted we wanted him to be 100 percent happy with it. Um, and part of the reason that that I was adamant, and I know Bubby feels the same way of having Joe do the whole set, is that was what I loved about the ninety two masterpieces set is I knew that every card I got out of that that product because I love his artwork, I was gonna be happy with. when When masterpieces started using multiple artists, the experience to me was never the same. I felt like, you know, uh, art is in the eye of the beholder, right? Um, and not every artist, I'm not a fan of all the same, all the different types of art. So if I'm really into a set, I want to, I want ideally as a consumer, I want it to be all from that same artist. Cause I know what I'm getting out of the set, whether I like the character or not, I know I like the art. Um, so that was what we talked about was I wanted everything to go back to that 92 model where it was all one artist. And, and the trouble with that is. It is a lot of work for one person, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was the way I felt that it needed to go back. If you look at the core identity of that brand, that 92 set is so iconic. I wanted it to go back to that that thing and, and having Joe, you know, kick it back off with that. I guess brand tenant to me was the only way to do it. And and we were blessed um, to work with Joe. Um, Joe was was an absolute steward of the brand coming back. Um, And, you know, there were things that happened here at Upper Deck and there were things that happened in Joe's life that that thing took a long, long time, as you guys know and you guys talk about. I think it it, from from beginning to end, from the first conversation that we had with Joe, it was five or six years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because we always notice the different dates
2: on the cards and we always talk about, you know, what must have been the first couple of characters, the second wave, the third wave and so forth. But, I mean, you look at that set and it's like it's worth the time and you know? Yeah.
0: Well, and you know, it's hard when you, when you run a business and, and this is what's always tough, I think um, being an artist, right? Because artists are uh, in in naturally uh, (laughs) perfectionists. know we're trying to run a business we're trying to hit deadlines we're trying to hit projections Um, so the natural inclination is to to push these guys hard to hit the deadline and in this case in particular we had committed to joe that we wouldn't push him Uh, we wanted him to be happy with it um you know because it you know with a lot of artists it's not about the money it's about the work that they're creating. Um, So we waited. And honestly, we got a lot of pressure even from Marvel because they kept saying, you keep talking about this set. Does this set even exist? Is it coming out? Mm -hmm. Um, And we told them like, when it comes out, it will be amazing. Um, You just have to, to wait for it. So, it was a long wait. Um, but I think it was, it was worth it. And, uh, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't say good enough, uh, things about Joe, um, fantastic partner. Um, we continue to work with him on, on different stuff. Um, I think the, the only difference was educating Joe, um, on the difference between the card market from 1992 and the card market now. Um, because obviously, you know, we didn't make a lot of, 2016. You know, it's a very limited print run. Back in 1992,
1: I mean, somebody somewhere still might be printing that thing. (laughs) Well, well, we did did actually get the, we we got the number on today's episode, which you may not have heard yet. We spoke to um, uh, Ken Barrow from Skybox and he told us how many they made. So, and it's a crazy astronomical number. So (laughs) compare that to how much of 2016 there's out there. It's like, Yeah. So David and Goliath in terms of the set size. I think twenty sixteen though, especially what your team and you created and Joe
2: created is you started a new type of Marvel card. The limited number, the inserts, the way you went up, the approach you had at it, that's starting a whole new wave of collecting. A whole new type of collector is Marvel sixteen and Marvel 18. And, you know, for the future of Marvel, whatever comes next, that you've started a brand new way of marvel trading cards which i'm that's what i'm just so in awe of other than the art and all these amazing things that you've done that's really started something new
0: yeah, and I think your expectations, um, and I know you guys have a have a masterpiece room, you know, the expectations for everybody should be that the that the 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 brand now is, is one artist focused. And you know, sometimes they get delayed, sometimes it takes a little longer. Um, you know, when you have one artist, there are things that happen in people's personal lives. Pandemics hit. Um yeah. <laughs> crazy things happen um yeah. that don't allow you to release it um or even announce a release date when you would like to, but the end result is clearly worth it. I mean, I think S- Simone carried the torch very well. Um, I think he did a fantastic job uh, um, on, the, on the last masterpieces and, and you know, the, the new one will be incredible as well, but it, it is it is so much work for these guys to crank out yeah. you know, a whole set's worth of artwork by themselves. I mean, honestly,
2: too, the, you know, speaking for Ian and I, the podcast kind of came up because of these breaks, you know, because we do have to wait, but we are all excited. What a better way than to kind of like check in and have a and, and you know have a weekly show? Because that way we can always kind of be up to date, have fun speculating, and all these really great things. Because at the end of the day, we all know it's going to be worth it to see to see this set
0: finally visualized yeah yeah and i you know i i think um the other turn and again you can you can talk to bobby and in our new uh, uh head of uh trading cards uh, grant sangram um you know the the other difference that you guys know that masterpieces is completely different is is we really wanted every piece of the artist. Uh, artwork to be collectible, which is why everything's numbered for the yeah. most part. Um,
1: yeah, smart.
0: It's really, it's really focused on the base set, where so many cards, whether it's sports or entertainment, the base sets are throwaways. And we thought with Masterpieces in particular, that that approach would do a disservice to how beautiful the art is. You know, We wanted to make every single card collectible.
2: Yeah. And we hear from collectors all the time about, you know, oh, I wish I could buy a box and make a full set. And, you know, but once they get over that hump, at least for me, I'm not speaking for everyone. For me, what happened was I got over that hump and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, but they're numbered. From a collector's standpoint, that places the value on the hunt. And then, you know, of course the hunt is the, is the fun, cheap, <laughs> you know, the fun kind of thrilling part about it. That, so go on amazing really cool
0: (laughs) (laughs) well no I I just I knew you guys would be pretty excited about the um, kind of the origin of of You know, that re that re uh, inventing of of masterpieces. And yes, that that came in 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 a in a quiet meeting um, in our old building between Bubby and I of wanting to kind of bring that thing back and and doing it right. And and thank God for 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 Joe to want to be able to do it, because he could have easily said, you know what, that was in the past. I did. I did my masterpieces set. Um, you know, I've kind of moved past it, and uh, he wanted to do it too. Like every, everybody wanted that that kind of um, rebirth of what Marvel masterpieces was, and and to me, it had to have been Joe Jusko. There, there was no other choice. No. Yeah,
1: I mean, and absolutely. I mean, it knocked it out of the park. I mean, when you saw, because obviously, with the lead time of these sets, you've got twenty sixteen as it became you know could have been 2014 could have been 2015 2016 when you're working on that and you kind of okay you know that's coming out you've obviously got other product products in the pipeline so at what point do you know that you're going to be doing a 2018 or What became 2018? I mean, what you know, we, 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 I find it interesting the crossover and how long you, you must lead, especially on these big tentpole sets like the masterpieces, like the um, Fleer Ultra Spider Man, Fleer Ultra X Men, those yeah. um, beautiful premium quality. Sets that you work on. I mean, the, the the lead time on those must surely be different to some of the the sets where the art isn't original, or the sets where it's uh, maybe MCU related. I mean, can you talk a little bit about how that? You know, now that you kicked the ball yeah. rolling, if you like, with 2016, you know, how do you then keep that standard?
0: Well, and look, this is the frustration that I think your your collectors um, have is being able to announce like a solid calendar. And the, and the problem is, is that you have a couple of different layers. So, you know, um, the team made the decision for Ultra to do all original art. Uh, and, you know, that causes now we do use multiple artists on that set. But you still have delays um, because you are waiting for art, and not not it's not always the artists that delay it. Um, Sometimes it's actually approvals and getting approvals through either internal or Marvel. Um, So you have all these different layers and it's hard to come out with a release date um, because there are these um, twists and turns. And even if you get all your approvals and you get all of um, your art on time, then you have things like sketch cards. So you can have all the other stuff lined up, but you don't have enough sketch cards um, or the sketch cards you got weren't approved um, either internally or, or by the licensor. So it, it it is very difficult to announce release dates. And then you take another layer of, you know, we take those cards, we send them to com C to scan them. Mm-hmm. so there's additional time there sometimes it takes longer um, because as you guys have seen not all the scans are ideal and sometimes we have to rescan things and even when you rescan them based on the technology of the card it might not come out great and you kind of have to live with it yeah. so you know there yeah. are so many different layers of um, things that have to come together so to get to uh, to try to put some semblance of an answer together for you <laughs> it's it's typically anywhere between two and I would say five years on an individual set. Wow, wow.
1: that's amazing. Sounds like it, sounds like herding cats. It, <laughs> it, it really
0: it is. And then you know you add the complication of MCU. Um, one of the unique things with MCU, um, if anybody's collected it from the the very beginning when we put, came out with the uh, Captain America and the Thor sets, which is during my tenure, kind of the, the new evolution of, of our trading card group, uh, those sets used to come out the day uh, they actually used to come out four to six weeks before the movie. And now we're like a year after the movie. And I think the thing that would surprise everybody is the thing that causes that is all the CGI animation in the movies. You know, they actually don't finish a lot of the CGI, um, animation until right before release of the movie, which means we don't get, we don't get imagery. Wow. So now with how complicated and technical these movies have become, which are great for us as viewers, they become a nightmare for creating trading card sets because we're not getting imagery until it's been in the theater for quite some time, which means you can't build the set ahead of time. Wow! Which is,
2: I never would have put that together. That's
0: absolutely insane to understand that. Wow! Which is which is why you guys are are waiting for Endgame to hit EPAC still. Um, you know, is exciting.
2: It's, yeah, yeah. We've been talking about that. We had someone great on the show who's a pretty big time collector, and he was talking about the MCU, and we we're like, we got to bring this Ooh, into the group because loves, it's he loves his he, MCU, <laughs> and he he made some really cool points too. You know, the idea that these cards are benchmarks you know actors autographs sketches all this kind of stuff is that the mcu is just as big as masterpieces you know it might be a different branch but it's a really big chunk of marvel collecting
0: Well, and I I think what as a collector, I think what's interesting about MCU is that the movies are very character focused. So, you know, you do have you have two very distinct collector bases between MCU and um, the publishing artwork. But, you know, me as an X-Men fan. If I was doing X-Men sets, I would probably buy those because those are my characters. So where you see crossover is typically on if you care about the character more than – you know, I'm, um, I'm either one or the other, right? Like if it's, if it's character I care about to me, the, the one exception I, I, I would like to see for people is look, growing up again, I was hardcore X-Men X-Men was my thing. Um, I, I didn't understand people who read daredevil. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I didn't get it. Um, but Guilt that Netflix go. series, yeah, that amazing Netflix series made me a da- daredevil. Friend. Yeah, Uh, and if people haven't watched that Netflix series, I mean, the Daredevil, the three seasons of Daredevil, are absolutely incredible. Some of the best um, comic book content I've ever seen brought to life. Absolutely. So now all of a sudden, I'm interested in Daredevil trading cards because the, the TV show made me a fan. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Right, so
0: it's it's interesting because you know when you think about it, the the MCU stuff is very character based, and I think you know if I'm not a fan of that character, it's hard for me to get excited to buy it unless I fall in love with the the movie or the the TV series. Yeah, 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 and then you have actors and celebrities.
2: Right, if you like a celebrity, but they're playing this role of a character you've never heard of, and you dive into it that way as well. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Right. Like we know if there's a black cat movie at some point, we know somebody who's actually going to buy a lot of movie. Parts. I don't want to meet that guy. That guy has to be scary. <laughs> I
2: don't Hey, know.
1: listen, you, you've already had Silver Surfer in two movies. No, OK. One, Let, two. One, Rise
2: of anyway. the Surfer. Let's all calm down. Let's get our facts straight. OK, let's not talk. But crazy. I'm not sure there
1: was a card set
2: for that, was there? I don't think there no, was. No, there wasn't. The, you know, I think there was like a insert in Marvel Masterpieces 07 or 08 like that a cost thing for the first movie yeah it was two yeah, yeah and it's really pretty it's really yeah. nice really well course, laid out but yeah that's nice. right that's right
1: but yeah no surfer but so no, i'm just sir. putting that out no, no there surfer. for you jason just so you listen <laughs> I just yeah I'm, I'm sure jason's gonna get right on that as soon as we're i finished, don't want to
2: look desperate or anything but
1: i'm just <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> so so 2016 drops and then around the time that 2016 came about, it was one of the first sets that came onto your EPAC platform. So you can can you tell us a little bit about how EPAC fits in with the, the the journey that you've come on so far, and then 2016, and then and then where that's taken you now? I guess. So so EPAC has a has its own
0: origin story. So. Uh, I I originally drew up the schematics for EPAC back in 2007. Um, we did a we did a program uh, called Yankee Stadium Legacy, which, you know, it. it to kind of rewrite history, or, or I guess rebring up history, um, 2008 was the closing of Yankee Stadium in New York. And we came up with a program, uh, an insane program, to make a card from every game ever played at Yankee Stadium. Um, which was well over 6,000 cards. And we created a collection program for that, where if you collected all, it's like 6,661 cards, you would actually be, the first five collectors could have a dream day at Yankee Stadium, including um, going on the field and meeting Derek Jeter. And for that program, my challenge was, is how do I, how do I confirm and checklist 6,661 cards for collectors? And then how do I verify them as the manufacturer that they actually have them? So I drove up, I drew up this diagram um, for kind of, you know, pre-EPAC. The problem was the technology wasn't there. Um, In particular, one of the deal breakers for me was, if I got an autograph, if I got a game used jersey card um, in sports lingo, if I had a sketch card, I don't want a representative image of that that card. I wanna see the card that I'm going to get, right? Whether it's a piece of a movie memorabilia swatch or a game used jersey um, swatch or an autograph or a serial number, right? Because serial numbers do matter. I need 100%. to see exactly what I'm going to get because they have different values depending on what the swatch looks like, what the serial number is, what the autograph looks like. So to me, that was always the deal breaker: is how do I deliver that to an end consumer so that what they see or what they get in their pack, they're actually going to get. Um, and about I don't know now it's um, five six. Uh, trying to think now 7 7 to 8 years ago <laughs> I was able to, with people I had met, technologies I had seen, I was able to put together um, the technology partners to make this thing a reality. Um, so I went and I met with uh, Dynamics, who is the one who built this, the infrastructure for this thing. And I, I, I had worked with them on another uh, platform um, where we, we built a rewards program on a credit card that allowed you to actually trade cards on the rewards platform, and I explained to the owner of the company, and I said, "Here's what I want to do. Um, do you think you could do it?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, we patented some of the technology on this. We can absolutely build it. How are you going to scan cards?" And I had seen Com C and what they were doing, so then I moved from Dynamics and I went over to Com C and said, "Hey, what do you guys think?" And they said, "Yeah, you know, what you're doing, like I get it." let's put it together. So at that point we were able to put it together and, and launch it, um, in 2016, I think it was January of 16. And, you know, none of us knew kind of, I, I would like to say, I knew what it was going to be. Um, because to me as a collector, I wanted the opportunity to open up a pack anywhere, anytime. Um, you know, my, my mantra was if, um, if I'm on a subway in New York or for the sake of this show in London, I want to be able to open up a pack of cards. Yeah, and you I know. have done. because because now i've got you know half an hour an hour to kill and i want to open cards and i want to trade and i want to do that at my fingertips um and and that was kind of the the impetus for that so we launched in january of 16 and very quickly you know knew exactly what we had um and then the impetus became how do how quickly can we get marvel on the site Uh, we really want to get marvel on the site and um Honestly, it was a Herculean effort by the team because um, we were still in the infancy of the site to make that happen. Um, and the team somehow made it happen and we were able to launch it at Comic-Con as kind of like a simultaneous launch, um, physical and, and EPEC. And that will probably never happen again um, because it, it literally we moved heaven and earth to make that happen. And I think that thing lasted two weeks, yeah. on eBay, and it was gone. And then we were in this dilemma of uh, wh- when is the next Marvel product coming to the site? From there, um, give us the task
2: and we will complete it. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there for everybody. <laughs> um, so we do it, not dilly dally. <laughs>
0: and, and I think it's 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 more important for. The, the entertainment collector and in particular the Marvel collector more than anything. Um, because again, if you trace the history of Marvel cards and I, and I see some of this chatter, um, The 90s really kind of destroyed it was the rise of Marvel cards and it was the they destroyed them at the same time. And the challenge that we've had over the last several years, um, I would say the last decade for Marvel card collectors is most trading card shops don't carry Marvel cards because most of their collectors are sports guys comic book shops got so burned in the 90s when the market went south that in some of these shops, and again, this is a good thing right now, some of these shops still have their inventory from the 90s. Now, recently, they benefited from that because those those boxes have all shot up in value. Um, but when you ask them to buy new product over the last 10 years, they said, you know, I don't want to get stuck with it again. Um, Gaming shops have no interest because they don't sell trading cards. So really, if you're a Marvel card collector, where do you go to collect these things? And I think EPAC, in some respects, has given us that platform to find the Marvel card collectors because the Marvel card collectors had no idea where to go. And, um, you know, we're very supportive of brick and mortar stores. We typically only sell to brick and mortar stores, and a lot of these brick and mortar stores won't carry Marvel cards. Um, I think that's beginning to change very quickly. Um, but EPAC has now created a community, not only that allows the collectors to buy the cards, but also to trade the cards and complete sets in a way that's never been done before. Um, and, uh, you know, it really has created a community in the last two, two years in particular that I don't see slowing down anytime soon. Well, it was really funny cause I went, So, you
2: know, all of us Marvel collectors all have the same story, right? We're just like, I need Marvel cards. I'm back into this. I want to go ahead and get started again, and you. I, all of us have gone on the same journey. Comic book store, we don't do it. Maybe find an old box if you're lucky. Sports right. stores, we're not. We don't know who you are. Why are you right. here? And then it's just this journey to find these boxes and to find a platform to buy them in. I know at a sports store near me, I was responsible for them getting MM18 because when I went in there, I said, "You know, I collect Marvel cards. Do you have any?" He goes, Wait a minute, did you do the Joe Jusco set? No joke. Verbatim, And I was like, yeah, I was into it. And they were like, oh, money signs, exciting. They're, oh, I love that artwork. That was great. Can't believe they did that again. And then they're ordering 18. And then they're ordering Premiere, shockingly enough, right? And it's, it's definitely starting to go, but... I think a job that Ian and I do quite a lot and we never get tired of because we want people to kind of start getting into it. And I'm, I'm excited to see the evolution of EPAC, right? I'm excited to see where it goes and it becoming even more user-based, very focused on the scans, you know, all the details that you guys are putting into that work. That that, that for me is very much the future for Marvel collectors. I mean, because you're right. It's not, unfortunately, it's very hard to get this product physically at least in one, a store and have that communication.
1: And one of the things that, that you'll know from listening to the show is we get an awful lot of people coming into our groups on Facebook who are coming back to it and have no idea how collecting works now in the, yeah, what how it's is this decade called. It's not the, the noughties was the last time, I, no <laughs> I have no idea but, um, and they and, and we always end up pointing towards that there are most listened to episodes is the EPACS 101 and um, 101 part two where we literally say, right, okay, just go and have a look at those. And the second one we did is a video. And we're going to do a third one, which is yeah. um, which we're collating, and you'll find it quite useful actually. I think is wish list what people where, where people want EPACs 2.0. I mean, I'm sure on your side of things it's probably on 4.7 by now you know in terms of the small little iterational changes you've made to it over the years but 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 um and people initially don't get it they don't well hang on a minute it's a digital card i want to be able to hold it you know they they, they go to mind the uh, platform that your one of your rivals has i won't mention now because i'm sure lightning will come come to me but but that's where their mind goes and we're like well yes there are some digital components to it but they're all stepping cards stepping stones to a physical product and i think once people get their head around that and about the the building of the set and the collecting and especially with the, the the scale of of some of the sets that you now create it's 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 very much we have to say to people, look, you know, you can't come at it from a 90s perspective of you, you're going to build the whole thing and have a card that you can tick it off because none of your sets will fit on a single card checklist anymore, as as Norin found out when he made some for the <laughs> Masterpieces 2018.
2: <laughs> stuff from, you should have seen me. The text just kept getting smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller. I was like, eh, no. <laughs> but he's done
1: them. I did it. If you need them. I did that. He's, they, he's they, done they look really Masterpieces great. 2018 checklist cards. People were
2: really
1: uh, excited, so it was um, fun, dude. Yeah, but we'll, we'll yeah. send you some. But, um, but, but, but you <laughs> know, the fact that you can choose how to collect the set, you can choose how to build it. So, with 2016, you know, it's um, you, you know, you might just want to go for the tier one, or you might just want to go for the X Men characters, and you can yeah. do that. You don't have to the own the whole
2: signature, thing, signature parallels. I mean, there's definitely a lot of options, and that's kind of bred character collectors, too you know I think I think the the massive of the sets actually bred people who were like you know what I like this character let me go for this rainbow you know
0: well and I think what's important with EPAC one of the core tenants again if you go back to the creation was I am big on the physical asset here and, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why um, look I'm I'm old school I like to hold stuff I like tactile stuff um, to me there's a couple things that are, are really important one um, you can't You can't come up with a digital representation of an actor autograph, um, a piece of screen worn memorabilia or a one of one sketch card piece of art that you can hold in your hand. To me, that can never be replaced digitally. Um, And I I just I I, you, you can create cards that kind of simulate that. But to me, it's just never going to be the same. Um, The second piece is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever played, there was a fantastic digital trading card game called War of Heroes, Marvel War of Heroes, um, several years ago. Um, And fantastic game. It was a trading card game. It encouraged you to spend lots of money. And people had collections on that system that were tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that they had spent on this. I know this. Yeah. And... Eventually, their license ran out uh, with Marvel and they didn't renew, and they had to sunset the game. And overnight, you had collectors and players of this game losing their collections forever. You know, people who had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on their collections. And to me, that's as a collector who cherishes my collectibles, and if for some reason I got into hardship, like I did when I went to college, and I need to sell off some cards to fund fund my college education or something like that, they're gone. Like, all that money yeah. I spent is just evaporated overnight, and that's where I really struggle with digital trading cards, um, yeah. because – literally overnight, they could go away and and I think the dirty secret to any digital trading card system is if you look in the terms and conditions, a lot of them flat out say you owe nothing. You don't own anything. These cards are not yours. You don't own them. You know, they they will go away. And, you know, I just I never want to put collectors in that situation. And and that's why I I am so adamant about the physical piece of this. Now, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I I feel like the workaround for that
2: because I, I do know people who collect digitally and i have friends that this has happened to where they lost their account or crashed or sunset you know where the game's kind of gone um but i feel like the thing that EPAC offers that i mean is really intriguing for collectors now and i, and I can't wait for people to start buying into this more is EPAC achievements right. you can only get this physical card of this epack achievement through the digital means. And I think that's the proper workaround, especially for collectors.
0: Right. I mean, it's that bonus, right? Like one of the things that really want to focus on and reward is people who collect sets or in some cases they collect certain characters. Right. Because you can you can you can do achievements different ways. You can be rewarded for collecting sets. You can, you know, foil things up. You can do your web foils um, and create parallels and, and rainbows of your of your favorite characters. So there's different ways to collect, um, the one thing I would say, though, that I think is sometimes tough um, when you look at a vacuum is when you do have physical cards. Um, there is a cost to retrieve those physical cards, mm-hmm. and you know I think it's the most common complaint we hear is is you know shipping the cards. And, and yeah. you know for us we don't we don't mark up what it costs ComC to to collect those cards if you look at the cost on ComC, it's the exact same on epac so we're not making any money it's a pass through um but what 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 i think would intrigue you guys and, and, and your listeners is if you think about having to pick the orders for this i think the first place to start visually is think about the warehouse in indiana jones yes um <laughs> There is this massive (laughs) warehouse and literally you have people, you know, we're not at the point of, you know, robots yet. You know, we haven't entered the matrix or Skynet, right? So there are literally people walking through aisles, picking individual orders. And, you know, that, that costs money. You have to pay those employees to go pick those orders and assemble those orders and ship them. And when you ship them on top of that, and again, this is the stuff that nobody thinks about, cards are heavy. And they create big boxes. And the cost of postage has skyrocketed over the last five years. Um, So if you you think about the cost of somebody having to go pick those cards out of the warehouse and you think about what the legitimate cost, I think people would be shocked if they go, "Okay, I just got this 30-pound package of cards. If I was to turn around and ship it back, how much that would cost? I think people would be shocked at how much the just the pure shipping cost costs these days. Um, so really when you look at it, like it's very reasonable, uh, I actually think Com C does a pretty good job of keeping the price down. Um, but then the thing that nobody considers, um, except for really educated collectors is if you had to do individual shipments off of eBay for all these individual cards, the cost would be probably 10 X what it costs ComC C to send that stuff out. And that's the way a lot of us collected before EPAC yep. is I got 10 cards with 10 different shipments at $5 a piece. I'm paying 50 oh, yeah. bucks to collect yep. cards. Right. Um, yep. So it's a, it's a shell shock when you see that shipping cost it is. Yeah. Believe me, I get it. Like I see the shipping that, that people pay. Um, it's a shell shock. But when you step back and you look at it, you go, Okay, I kind of get it. Like even me, when Com C when we were seeing uh, the first shipments, the first year of EPAC, I I looked at Com C. I'm like, three hundred dollars for shipping? Are you are you kidding me? And you know they would they would walk me through it, and they go, well, just just the the UPS cost alone is one hundred and fifty, and we haven't even actually packaged them or put sleeves on them, yeah, Uh-oh. packing materials, things of that nature. Um, so you know it's it's I think it's the The one thing that I think is probably the hardest thing for people that collect physical cards on EPAC to really get their head around is that shipping cost. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think um, I think people are always going to struggle with that cost. Yeah.
2: And I think a lot of times when we have talked to collectors, had these conversations, I think the other benefit to being able to have physical cards somewhere is that you can trade with people otherwise you would have never had contact with. Because just imagine trading, because back in the day, right, you would have things that were faxed to people or emails with pictures and stuff. What do you want? What card are you looking for? Because old school sketch card trading type of thing. EPAC allows you to trade with someone across the way who is basically a collector who has the one-of-one one or the limited number of piece you're looking for. And that service you can use effortlessly by just buying a pack. I mean that that for me is the larger – is really the benefit when well, looking and at show, it. Looking I'll at show back. my
0: age a little bit here. But um, I don't know if you guys ever monkeyed with like the buy-sell trade boards back in the day. Yep. You know, you would execute a trade. You know, you'd spend five dollars on shipping to ship one card to somebody. And then you hope like hell that they would actually <laughs> sell the card that they were supposed to, because sometimes you just got stiffed. Like yeah. that card that they were supposed to send you never never showed up and there was no repercussions. There's nothing you could do about it, you know, other than put them on a scamming, you know, list somewhere. Um, you just hoped. And, you know, I think the benefit with EPAC is you are connecting with people you would never connect with and the trade is secure. You know when that trade comes through that belongs to you at that point there's no there's no waiting and hoping that you you know somebody's not going to scam you
1: yeah well, brilliant. I mean, I love it. I mean, listen, I know I'm probably not technically supposed to be collecting them because I might not be in the United States, but let's keep that our little secret. But um, but um, but it enables you know you think about that that 10x cost of shipping them all individually. Imagine what that's like overseas. Oh yeah. You know, um, you know. I'm my first transaction on eBay back in, I'm going about 20 years now. Um, I bought something from the US and they 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 um, they stiffed me. They could say it was a new user, right? And never arrived, and it was right. wasn't cheap either. So, so yeah, that security is, is something that I get as well, because um, I I'm, my background is is live entertainment ticketing, and people always complain about booking fees, but what they don't appreciate is the fact that the, the technology that enables you to be able to go online and, and browse for a ticket, look at a seating plan, and have that taken securely, and have your data treated securely, and to give you that that convenience, yeah, is, that's got got to be paid for somehow so it's kind of it's you know it's for me i understand that very much because it's on that same spectrum you know you're not paying for you know you're not just being fleeced you're paying for a convenience if you like because there's all you know there's also the storage of the cards right. some people you know leave them there because you know they might be in the forces or they might be in an area that's that's subject to weather conditions and you know extreme events you know as um, a lot of the us or is, some so.
2: people just don't pick up their collections i can imagine there's yeah. Cards sitting in collections by users who haven't logged on in a year or so.
0: Well, and and I think that was one of the benefits that we identified very quickly because, you know, look, we've got significant others who don't want a closet full of stuff or a garage full of stuff. Right. (laughs) We we've got we've got people who live in small apartments, you know, in big cities like, you know, Tokyo or New York or London where they just don't have room for this stuff. And again, we don't charge for storage like that's baked in. And, and again, people don't think about that. Like that costs money to keep that stuff in ComC's warehouse. Um, right. That stuff is all kind of covered um, already. And, and you know, the stuff is insured as well. Right. So, you wow. know, it, it's it's covered all the way around. Uh, again, an intrinsic benefit for, for people, um, whether it's just cleaning up your house or look, the reality is, you guys talk about it in trading, the reality is if I open up a box or a pack, the reality is most of those cards I either don't want or I don't need, so why would I bring them home and want them in my house? I might as well leave them in my account where I can at least have them there um, in the marketplace and trade them for stuff that I do want, right? So there's a huge advantage there as well. And uh, look, you guys are gonna be excited. There's There's a lot of exciting stuff coming to EPAC soon.
1: Yay! That's gonna be my next question. What's next? I, I, that you can look, talk I'm not, about. I'm not,
0: I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to give you guys any um, exclusives uh, on M20 oh. EPAC. <laughs> uh, I'll leave that for for, for other people. Um, but uh, there is a, a massive. Um, project that we've been working on for EPAC for for two years now um, that we'll be launching this year for sure. Um, And then, you know, I think the hardest part is always prioritizing either new features or um, making things a little bit easier. You know, we always talk about less clicks, trying to get to things without having to navigate a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But quite frankly, we have in our platform, it's so different than everything else. Everything that we're doing, we're doing for the first time. Um, cause nobody else has a, has a platform in the world where you can trade physical items in milliseconds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always a delicate dance of, you know, making sure when we do a new feature that A, it works and B, it doesn't screw up something else um, because the, 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 the background of this thing has gotten very complicated very quickly. Um, it's an intense system. Um, you know, if you just look, if you want it, if you want a couple good sound bites, there are more unique items on EPAC than there are on Amazon and eBay.
1: Think about doesn't that. Surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. Wow. Doesn't surprise me at all. Because
0: every card is individual. Every scan yeah. is individual. Yeah. You know, if you go in and you buy a vacuum cleaner on Amazon, they have a representative image, right? Yeah. Stock photo.
1: Yeah.
0: Everything is individual on EPAC. And
1: it's crazy to think about, but that the system is really intense. It is. is, it, is, it, is it, sorry, I don't want to go too much into the technical side of it, but is it kind of a blockchain kind of thing? Where you can kind of track the audit of a card and the the, the journey it's been through. I'm just so curious. so. Um, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but no, it, theoretically,
0: the the technology is built on a blockchain type of technology. Um, we just don't publish the stuff outwardly that of course. makes blockchain per se. Yeah, um, right. yeah. I mean, we can we can track a card back to you know the origin of it
1: wow I would That's see again that's a beautiful idea for you know I've just my my mind goes pinging to wonderful because I work in marketing so you know and I know that's your background as well from where where you came up you know I start thinking about you know ideas for content you know the journey and the life of a card you know you've still got a card sat in there from 2016 Marvel Masterpieces that might have been through 20, 30, 40 collectors hands wow it's just the touch points and it's just still sat in a box
0: There's a lot of things there are. So I mean, the 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 hard part that the EPAC team has is that there are so many cool things to do Mm -hmm. and so little time to execute all the programming to implement. Um, So, you know, we try our our focus generally on the EPAC side is to try to make the user experience as pleasant as possible, Um, because there's a lot of cool features we could add. But in some cases. It makes things more complicated and yeah. harder to navigate. So it is it is this constant battle that the EPAC team is always working on as the the risk reward of, of adding certain features because we want it to be easy. You know, we really want it to be easy and short. And sometimes there's not even a way to get there. You know, we, we add a feature and it's just there's no way to add it. So it's easy for the end user, which is always difficult.
1: Yeah. 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 Good. All right. Listen, Jason, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that we've gone over the time that you very kindly allowed us to. So yeah. um, I'm going to kind of circle us very gently into land here. Um, can I just say, let's do this again. If 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 you've got time in your schedule, let's do it again when you can. This you know, is so much new fun. Stuff to talk about, you know. When you've got a new set thing coming out, this project they've been working on, you know, your your money's good here. Please come back anytime. Well, you know, we've already exhausted my first appearance and my origin story. So,
0: you know, the most valuable the most valuable items are kind of out of the way. So you're probably better off with the rest of the team. Um, oh, you know, so frankly, look, I, I, I. You know, I'm happy to share with you kind of my journey of Marvel cards and especially at Upper Deck, um, because, you know, again, I hired in the sports side. I never thought I would get the the privilege to work on the yeah. Marvel side. Um, and, you know, I talk about it. There are very few people um, across the world that can do sports and entertainment and Marvel stuff. Um, I call them Walkers. Um, luckily, I'm one of them. Um but you know, uh, I'm not the guy in the day-to-day. I'm not the guy that can give you all the cool information. Now, uh, I, I can I can give you the background on some of this stuff, and, and I'm happy to. And I was glad to be able to give that to you guys today. But there's a lot more and more you. interesting people uh, working here at Upper Deck that can give you more of the the stuff that you guys are interested in at this
1: well, point.
2: I, I we believe, are so excited yeah. to talk yeah. to each and every
1: one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I believe there is there is a there is a roadmap of talking to those people. Um, it's kind of one of those speed-dating things now. We're going to speed-date around the Upper Deck team. So, um, Jason, thank you. Um, it's, it's been thank an absolute so pleasure talking to you. And thank you for everything you've done for the hobby and for, uh, for the Marvel collectors. And, you know, I'm sure I, I'm really excited to see what you've, you guys have got next. Um, yeah, like, we've got, um there is a ton in the pipeline. And
0: unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that has been announced. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't been announced. Mm-hmm. I know it's frustrating that there's no release dates and you guys get like these 48 hour notices. Um, <laughs> the one tease I will give you is there are some sets that are in the pipeline for 2020 that are EPAC exclusives. Um, so... You know, be prepared because there's some stuff coming. So you guys will have plenty Oof. to
1: talk about on your on your show. Um, we and we will do indeed. Well, um, with, you with pleasure. You are
2: content generator. Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so. So, so, Jason, all that all that remains now is for you to, um, if you would be so kind, is to 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 lead us out of this week's episode with our traditionally customary sign off that Norin always gets wrong. What? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to adapt it a little bit. So I'm going to say. Everybody needs to go out and enjoy collecting Marvel trading cards. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. You can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mccp. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Make mine marble and enjoy collecting.